I'm Greg Rockefeller. I'm Beth Rockefeller. And I'm Mia Rockefeller. And this is Reading with the Rockefellers, a family book club podcast. Today we are discussing Red Queen by Victoria Aveyard. So grab a copy and join us on this literary journey. Welcome back to a special episode of Reading with the Rockefellers. Today we continue our bonus episode series in between books one and two. And today we will be doing a character review of everybody that we've met so far in the Red Queen universe. So buckle up and join us for some discussion about who all we know and what we know about them up until this point as we get ready to go into Glass Sword. Bear with us. (laughs) Um, We've all been sick. Mia and I are doing much better. Beth is still fighting off the the ends of her illness. She's yes. some throat issues. So if you hear some coughing some or some sucking on lozenges, cough drops, cough yeah. drops drinking, cups getting set down. It's yeah. It's asthma city over here with yes. the remnants of COVID and super high pollen counts. So yeah. we're doing the best we can. We appreciate it. Yeah. Literally yeah. looks like Scarface sneezed on my car every time I go outside. Just pollen. pollen everywhere. It's so bad here. I even took it to the car wash this week, and it's still just like, bleh. So thank you so much for your patience with us. We really appreciate you guys, fantastic listeners, and hopefully you enjoy our discussion. And uh, send us your feedback, especially on this one. And next week we'll be bringing you our fan casting episode. Which we are really excited for. That one is going to be fun. We're super excited. We've been looking forward to that one for a long, long time. So I hope that you guys enjoy this as much as we have doing these bonus episodes before we jump back into mega downer time in Glass Sword. So Mia's going to lead our discussion on this one. And let's kick it off, Mia. Yeah. I feel like Dad and I are going to kind of... Yeah. Tandem lead this discussion. I think so. And w- I mean, obviously, if we're going to be discussing the characters, we've got to start with the character whose point of view the entire book is from. Yes. Mayor Barrow. Yes. So what do we know? Let's go ahead and start. Yeah, there it is. It's starting. <laughs> Let's go ahead and start with what do we know in this book of a physical description of Mayor Barrow? Because in these books... There's not a ton of physical description. You get little pieces and parts here and there, and a lot of times yes. it's kind of the same thing, only with different words. So you don't get a ton of real intense description of these characters. Right. So the, I guess, important physical description and the really the most we get um, of Mare is she's short. No, we don't know how short. Just short. Just short. Short. For a girl, I guess. Like Simone Biles short or I, like I don't know, me short. Right. Which right. you're not. I mean, you're only you're, a, you're maybe an inch or two shorter than an average. Right. So like yeah, five, somewhere four. in between, maybe. Maybe. So. I so think like Dawn short. All relative. <laughs> <laughs> but not like, not as short as my mom. Mayor has brown eyes. Yeah, and we have we do brown see that. hair with gray ends. Right. Yeah. Does it say it doesn't? It doesn't really say if her hair is necessarily straight or curly no. or do we only get it's, real? No, not really. We do get. But I mean, they 
they like can she can like braid it relatively easily. They like, they, they style it easily. It's so it's probably so it's, not super curly. Right. It's, it's probably workable. a more straight, manageable hair. Maybe more like mine, but manageable because yeah, my hair is not isn't manageable. Really straight either. To be fair. Well, man, mine's like wavy. So maybe more like mine, like slightly wavy, yeah, but right. not like super wavy. Yeah. Um, and that's that's about the extent of her physical description. We do see, like, we get some physical description of other people in the stilts, mm-hmm. like in the chapter where they're on the boat, mm-hmm. and they kind of say, like, they talk about how they're not, like, the silvers are mentioned being specifically more pale. Right. Because they have silver blood, but they also have, like, a paler skin. Yeah. So I feel like maybe, like, with the stilts, they talk about people, you know, maybe their face is a little more suntanned or their right. skin is a little bit darker because they spend more time outside. outside. I think for the most part they spend, which is what I think. And I think that the tan is almost in relation to silvers more than it is, like, exactly in relation to... What Other we reds. would consider a normal white skin tone. Right. Right. I think they have a, a... Because a lot of what gives humans their kind of complexion is the fact that we have red blood. Right. Right. So silvers are going to be paler in general. But in like general. you said, in the stilts, a lot of people are outside. So they're going to mm-hmm. be tanned. They're mm-hmm. going to be darker. I think that's where you can kind of get the juxtaposition between Mare, who is described as having a little darker skin, right. and Giza. Who's, who's pale and redheaded, but and she has a works she's a seamstress. In, yeah, right. right. She, she works doesn't go outside in as the much. city all the time. So. Right, exactly. And kind of like the silver at the end of Mare's hair could be more like, you know, bleached out or yeah. sun damage or pollution damage because yeah. we don't know what kind of pollution right. they have there. It, it. She specifically says something about it in the beginning about her hair, and it's. Just because of life in the stilts. Mm-hmm. It's, it has a name because mm-hmm. it's so common in poor river towns right. like the stilts. Right. Could so. be also lack of specific types of vitamins in their diet because they don't exactly. eat as well as, right. as your normal people because they're poor. So, right. the, you know, the ends of the hair dying out or right. a lot of different reasons for that. Yes. Yeah. Could be undernourished and mm. whatnot. Yeah. So... Let's get into her, and she's a red. We know that we know yes. now. There's a divide between red and silver. <laughs> yeah, Mary's definitely a red. Right. Um, what do we know a little bit about her personality here <laughs> that we find out in, in oh, these books? I this know it's fun. She's bitter. Yes. You get that she's, early on because very they're bitter. very poor. Mm-hmm. Um, she's tough. Yes. We find that out throughout the book. Very stubborn. Yeah. We see oh, so many instances of her stubbornness. Yeah. Doesn't she doesn't like authority. Does not no. like authority, no. No, she doesn't. She's very loyal and protective yes. of her family of her and the people family she cares about. The people that she cares Especially yeah. Giza. Because, yeah. you know, Giza's the only younger sibling that she has. Yeah. So, and then she's responsible for what happens to her. So she feels right. even more. She feels even worse. Right. She blames herself so much. She blames herself for everything when it comes to her people close to her. And I think yeah. that is where the loyalty, yeah, definitely yeah. comes in. Uh, because she's got Giza, you know, well, before even Giza, what leads to Giza, she feels responsible right. for Kalorn. Right. Kalorn's 
is a fishing apprentice, and then his captain dies, so he's going to get conscripted, and Mayor immediately takes it upon herself. I know. To save Kalorn, which brings us to her going into Somerton, right. which ends up with Giza getting her yeah. hand smashed, which then she then feels bad about right. that. Right. It's just, eh. Mare can make herself feel so guilty over things that she had zero control over. Exactly. Well, because she's young and she takes right. she takes it upon herself. Yeah. Because of the people she cares about. I'm sure it's also not easy having a disabled father. Yeah. You know, having to worry yeah. about he's in a wheelchair, he can't earn money. Mm-hmm. And the mom doesn't you know, really work. And the mom anything. doesn't really yeah. work. So they've had to work for right. everything that they've had. Which so and she doesn't have the luxury of like being lazy and laying around and, and all three doing brothers, these mind games that right. she'll end up a part of. And all three of her older brothers have been conscripted. Have been conscripted. Mm-hmm. So it's they can't just do anything. It's just Mare and Isa to create income for the family now. Right. Which and I, Mare doesn't have any like usable skills. Usable skills, so she steals. Which which brings us to kind of her abilities. I mean, okay, we find out that she has the ability to manipulate electricity. Right as a red, which is a big part of the book. We all know that at this point. That's the ability that she has, has. that she didn't know. But I think there are abilities that she like, gained through yeah. being a pickpocket and doing right. whatever she could to support her family that help her more than her actual ability that she finds out she has later. Right. As the story goes on, and her ability to pickpocket, to move through crowds without being seen. She's very agile, very yes. quick-handed, very quick-witted when it comes to she may not be like book smart, right? But she's very street smart. She is, yeah. And thinks that, quick on her feet, right? Yeah. And when we see that big battle with her and Cal defending themselves, and she has no abilities, that comes in huge, and that's a big yeah. part of the reason they survived. That is what she's learned that she had to learn to help her family. So those right. abilities are really important too. And that's also why she takes to it easy when. She's in the training arena right. later on when mm-hmm. we see her at the palace. She's able to adapt to those changes once she knows to be on the lookout right. for them, you know. But the problem on the flip side of that is she's still young and she doesn't know what she doesn't know. Right. So she'll go head first into something thinking that it's going to be one way and not even considering the other side. You know what I mean? Oh, she yeah. just goes well, she straight into something and not, you know, right. considering the consequences. Just be like, oh, I'll deal with that later. later. This is what has to be done. She launches into this crusade to join the Scarlet Guard and do all these things. And then Maven's there. And she immediately keeps saying she doesn't want to get close to Maven, but she does. And Maven becomes right. one of those people that she wants to protect because she's so loyal and doesn't right. realize. Then when he turns on her, that just... Destroys, destroys her. Every, it's so devastating for her in so many ways. Right. So there is a level of naivete oh, yes. that oh, yeah. with her, you know, she's not a rational person. Yes. Right. She doesn't but take she's the also... time to, you know, really consider what she's doing. She's like, all right, right this is what we're going to do, and that's just how it's going to be. And it's like, oh, well, I mean, I guess I'm not going to argue with her. Right. However, you know? she is also a 17-year-old girl from a really poor village in a yeah. bonkers situation. Well, that's, exactly. Yeah, we're not saying it's her fault, but right. it is what it is. She is. She does definitely is naive in a lot of ways. But, and I think that's what Alara and 
Maven were able to use to their advantage. They saw that immediately. And they're the kind of people that when they see things they can take advantage of, they're very good at taking advantage right. of them. Yeah. But I think they both wildly underestimated her cunningness mm-hmm. and street smart and her agility and what she brings to the table because she's had to fight right. her whole life to keep her family afloat. And so when it came down to those certain battles, they underestimated what she was capable of. Yeah. And Silvers just see Reds as so inferior. Correct. That That's their Achilles heel. Right. That when they see her, they think the only thing they have to worry about is her ability right. that she has that she shouldn't. But they don't think to worry about her attributes that she's gotten from growing up so poor and having to fight for everything. Correct. Yeah. And that a lot of that comes from also Silver's having to display power. Even right. when they know that something is a threat, if it shouldn't be a threat and they don't want it to look like a threat, they can't have that appear right. to be a threat. Right. It's dangerous. I think the other thing that they didn't count on is her temper and how quick her fuse is. Right. You know, I don't know if she they has just such a didn't. Short fuse. Yeah, if they didn't take that into account because. They think all reds are basically oppressed into submission, which a lot of them are. But this is a young person, and she hasn't been made to follow the rules her whole life. So she's gonna, right? She's gonna go into fight or flight mode really quick. Oh yeah, and And those are her two options: stand and fight or run. Right. She doesn't see an usually she chooses the second option. But when she when she chooses the first, right. you better look out because right. you yeah. have just opened Pandora's box. Well, and you've got all the reds and the stilts that you know do what they're supposed to, show up for everything, and she kind of hangs out on that periphery. She's her whole life, as short as it is at this point, has gotten away with breaking the law. Right, and she's been good at it, and she hangs out with people. She goes to Will's wagon, mm-hmm. Will who sells stolen goods so she hangs out with people who skirt the law on silver so she's known this whole time yeah silvers look super powerful but you can break their laws and get away with it i've been doing it my whole life so there's a a little bit of that i don't have to follow the rules and i think they they like you said they think all silvers are just subservient i don't think they realize or all reds Reds. i'm sorry but they don't realize that there are reds out there that this whole time have been defying them yeah they just don't know about it Yeah. yeah And she doesn't have the standard responsibilities of a teenager, like school or things like that. That's not something that we see that they have to worry about. I mean, they do go to school, but at like, um, at a certain age, they no longer have to. And it's younger than it is now. Right. Because we see Giza when she's 14 when it starts right. and they don't mention Giza going to school at all. She right. works. That's what she does. Like if you get a so job, you're just excused from school. Yeah. We don't know how long. That's how it works. Yeah. I mean, Mare's not Mare doesn't have a job and they don't say anything about her being in school and she's about to turn 18, right. which is right when somebody in our society would be graduating, graduating. for high right. school. So she doesn't have that kind of standard responsibility where every day you have to wake up and be a certain place at a certain time. So she really lives this kind of, like you said, peripheral life. She lives on the fringes of everything and that's what shaped her. So then when she has to go into this mode of following rules 
and a schedule and all that kind of stuff. It's like, whoa, you know, she, her, her hackles go up. And I think that's why she's trying to find somebody to cling on to when she gets into the silver world, because before she's always had at least her mom and her dad and Giza and Kalorn, she's had some people that she knows really well and she can trust those people. So she does cling on to those. And then when she goes to the palace and she's not able to find anybody really that she can Mm -hmm. trust until the thing with Maven comes up, you know, it, right. Like you said, Greg, that Alara and Maven knew that a hundred percent that she was looking for somebody that she could find as an anchor there for her. And they're like, Oh, well, Maven tag, you're it. And I think that's why she didn't listen to Julian's warning because he literally said, don't trust anybody. And she was, but she was looking so hard for someone to trust that she didn't listen because she's not used to being in a place where you can't trust anybody. Right. That's just not a thing she's used to. Right. She's always had her family and Kalorn and people she can rely on. Yeah. Yeah. Because they've been put to the test time and time again. She's gone to them with trust. They know what she does. Nobody's turned her in. You know, so she's able to do what she does with relatively little uh, consequences or, you know, any type of repercussions, repercussions. Yeah. The things that she sees in the palace when she tries to be sneaky and do, you know, what she's done before as far as flying under the radar She's not able to do that because the spotlight is always on her. Right. Right. So she's definitely not used to that. Yeah. She's not used to being the center of attention. She's not used to people paying attention to what she's doing all the time. And yeah, she does not want anybody Mm -hmm. up in her Mm -hmm. business. She does not like that at all because her business has been her business for quite a long time. We can assume she's been doing this for several years. Oh, yeah. All of her formative teenage years where you're kind of learning about your place in society and all that kind of stuff, you know, that's been spent living outside the law and not following the rules. So that's going to be her default when she's faced with authority. It's going to be like, nope, I don't have to do that (laughs) because I've gotten away with it for so long and nobody's called me out on it before. And then she gets like there are actual consequences for those actions and she starts learning. Right. So, okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on to our next character because mm-hmm. all the, we're going to, so much of the discussion is going to be about Mare also yeah. anyway because of how she relates to these characters because it's in her point so. of view. The next one we did have was Kalorn, but yes. I'm, I'm going to break down a little bit because we don't have like her mom and dad on here because they're very smaller characters right. at this point. And Bree and Tramie, right. you don't really see much until late in the book. And then Giza, who's a little bit, we don't really have mm-hmm. a ton about them on here, but I wanted to just discuss a little bit about some of that because Giza as it relates as she relates to Mare we talked about that Giza has the she's a seamstress so she's the one that has it out she's not going to be going and getting conscripted she actually right. has something that the Silvers deem as a I guess a, essential a, a, an essential talent yes that they like and that's taken away as we discussed by Mare not by Mare but through Giza trying to help Mare. Right. Trying to help Kalorn. Right. And that's what Layers really, to that. Correct. And that is what 
kind of thrusts us into the next section of the book. So that's where Giza kind of plays a point. Her character is important to Mare because she sees Giza as the one who's, even though Mare's the big sister, Giza's always almost acted like the big sister. Right. She's the one who's right. supported the family. Right. And she's the exact opposite of the life that Mare has to live. Right. She has some place she has to be. She has people that she has to answer to. Correct. So those are two very different perspectives and we see that kind of in their relationship at the beginning when Mare is feeling like she's constantly living in Giza's shadow because she knows her parents would rather her have a stable job right. and have some place to but, be every day where they know that, that she has but she doesn't have that ability. And I think from a like a storytelling perspective, like a writing perspective, that may be one of the reasons that Mare and Giza look so different. Because they live so different. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. Giza lives a much more charmed life. We can only assume when she's going into Somerton that she's getting probably some kind of meal during the day. Like maybe they have a servant's meal or whatever, you know, where she goes to work versus what Mare has to bring home and provide for her family. Yeah. You know, it's probably like we were talking about off mic and stuff it's probably not the most nutritious food you know what i mean so right also when they bring reds into silver territory to have to deal with them they're not gonna want them looking like they're mistreated right Correct. you know what i mean they're gonna want like the high silver houses not so much the people that are like the actual high houses that sit in the boxes, but more the rich silvers, you know, they're going to want them to see that they're not, you know, chaining the servants up in the cellars or whatever when they're not working. So Giza is probably used to having nicer clothes. Right. You know, she has to get dressed up and actually worry about people seeing what she looks like and Silver's judging her to that aspect. She's a little more seen than the standard cockroaches they would consider reds to be. Right. So Giz is used to seeing that every Mm -hmm. day versus Mare's point of view, which is just running around the stilts and super depressing all the time. (laughs) Right. And I think, and that's really kind of what we see of Giza early on, what we've just discussed is all we really see of Giza basically through the whole book. Yeah. But it's, she's the rule follower. She and is. that's about it. But right. it's, it's a big, she's a big character just, I think in Mare's world and how it Mare defines herself. And that's why I wanted to touch on Giza a little, cause we didn't have a ton on there, but we did. Yeah. go. Then we go into Kalorn, which is a big friend zone Kalorn. Who is madly? Aww. We can tell. Let's be honest. She, he is madly in love with Mare. It's so obvious. Oh, thanks, buddy. He's the Jorah Mormont of this series. Yes, unfortunately. Yes, the and, super friend zone. But he's he so would friend do zone. anything for Mare. Yeah, right. and she would do anything for him, except be his girlfriend. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> I and I don't know so much if she's not attracted to Kalorn. I just don't think she has time to worry about it. Yeah. Like, a boy is not on her radar. Right. She just doesn't have time for that right now. They have kind well, of not a... until later when she 
so so into cows. Yeah, but she doesn't have as much to do all day, and she's around cow more often. You know what I mean? When she's they, with Kalorn, they're in these more life and death right. stake situations, so she's not worried about it. Kalorn, I mean, we see some of it, but it, probably before this, he's, I'm sure, tripping all over himself to try to flatter her and get her interested, and she's just not looking at not only him that way, but she's not looking at anybody yeah. that way. They That's just not playing on her radar right. right now. They have kind of the same relationship as Harry and Hermione in Harry Potter. Like, they're always together, but they're just not together. Like, they hang out a lot. They're just never a thing. Right. Yeah. And it's not, it's, well, I mean, later on, when Hermione starts to show oh. interest in Ron... You know, and they kind of go through that dynamic, but we don't see that age in this book. So right. we don't know what things were like for Mare and Kalorn, you know, when they were when like they that were, 14, yeah. 15 age. But I mean, 16, 17, that's still not that far outside of that. Right. No. But my point on that being that I think if she was forced to think about marrying somebody, she'd be like, all right, I mean, Kalorn right. seems like as right. good a choice but as any. not where she's Because she does talk about it right. as far as, you know, coming home from war right. and having these kids with her agility and Kalorn's eyes. But when you don't know if you're going to come home from a war, why would you even think about well, having a boyfriend <laughs> or starting a family? Right. You're in life and death situations. Right. She's a, like, a dude is the last thing you're right. worried about. She's like, if I survive... By all means, I'll have kids with Kalorn. Right. But I'm not counting on that. Right. So, okay. So what do we know about Kalorn? Appearance-wise, there's a little bit of description of him. Uh, Long and lanky. Blonde hair. Green eyes. Yes. Like a dirty blonde. Yeah, Yeah. kind of. Yeah, green eyes. Which, again, I think is just like standard stilts issue. It's a little wavy, maybe curly. You're not going to have like pure blonde hair. Or you're not going to have any... Hair color that's like perfect. Right. Yeah, it's gonna be kind of dingy. Right. Everything in this world's gonna be kind of dingy. He's a fisherman's apprentice, so he's mm-hmm. out on the water mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. So he has good balance in that right. regard. Of course, uh, probably semi-buff. You know what I mean? Like, if not, if not as says, swole as Cal he says gets, long and lanky. But I would, I would see him as, um muscular in a very thin tall yeah zero mm-hmm. percent body fat fight type right. way right yeah like you don't a lot of people may not watch mma fights but like joe lozon or some you know what i mean one of those long lanky fighters it's just all muscle for what little muscle they have right so they don't yeah. they're not big and bulky but definitely powerful i mean maybe even to bring it closer to home, like our stepson was when he, or my stepson, your son, when he was younger, you know, he was still kind of lanky. Right. But he was super strong. Oh, the right. muscles he did have were very in tune. I, I call it, I like the, I like the phrase Joe Rogan coined this chimpanzee strength. You don't yeah. look at him and they don't look strong, but when they get a hold of you, it's like, oh, oh my, my God. God. Or how I would picture Finnick in The Hunger Games because <laughs> Finnick is also a fisherman. So he's right. going to have that same right. kind yeah. of body strength. Right. You know, what's his name? The fisherman from Ninja Warrior. 
you know, his upper body was just ridiculously strong because that's the parts that he used when Correct. he was hauling in fishing nets and stuff. Right. So, but it's not necessarily like shown. Yeah. It's not like you don't see them having like huge arms. Right. It's just. It would be more strength. like the possibility of a surprisingly jacked William Jackson Harper. <laughs> be like, wow, I didn't see that one coming. You know. Oh, where are we hiding it, those out? Also, yeah. he, it does. It does mention a couple of times when she's walking with him that he has a long stride. So clearly, yes. he's long legged, and she's mm-hmm. shorter. Mm-hmm. So, so she has to like walk faster just to keep up with him. Yeah, which we is, know us short people know how that goes. Which is a hilarious idea in my mind. And personality- she takes like four steps for each one of his. Yeah. It seems fun to me. Personality-wise, he's loyal as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He likes to kind of joke and yes. tease. Yeah. Kind of keep things light. He's definitely more jovial right. than being so freaking serious all the time like Mare is. However, he is also incredibly stubborn just like Mare. Right. They have that in common. I'm going to join the Scarlet Guard, Mare. Oh, gonna- just to show you. Right. You said I can't do this, so I'm gonna go do it. And I, that's probably what they've bonded over in the past. He's such a child. Is their rejection of authority and their desire to kind of live outside the law a little bit, even though Kalorn has to walk a tighter line at the very, very beginning because he has a master. But Lime he's fishing. Eh. The but he's not afraid to, you know, make fun of silvers and stuff when they go to the first Friday. You know, like he's he's okay with the joking around and stuff, but he's also, I think, more reserved. He's not as expressive as far as when he has issues. He's going to be more just the kind that's going to not say it and then go do whatever he wants anyway. Versus Mare, who's going to get right in your face and tell you all about it. Right. right. Yeah. 100%. And he's kind of had to, he lives in that sort of shadow of her. Like, she gets in, she walks in front of him, probably, except for the short legs thing, but she probably does still walk faster. You know what I'm saying? She's going to go into the situation first, and then Kalorn's going right. to probably follow her in after he checks everything out. Right. Which He's a little more observant. Yeah. Yes. And you brought it up. He was like a, little Grant. He was he a fisherman apprentice for a while, but then his master was killed or was injured, was it? No, he died. He died. died. So it, suddenly Kalorin is faced with conscription. Right. That brings us to Mayor going to try to find a way. She goes to see Will, who helps smuggle goods in and out, to try to find a way if maybe they can smuggle people out. Right. And this Versus is, Kalorn, who's just like, I mean, that's I mean, the way it's going right. to be, so I'm going to go. And Mayor's like, the hell it is. <laughs> I'm going to do something about this. Right. Exactly. Versus, And I think that's the biggest part of their it is, that's, differences. That part Kalorn's of, used to answering to somebody, and Mayor's not. not. Right. That's part of her personality and attitude that the Silvers, throughout all of the books at this point, yeah. even though we haven't got there yet, always underestimate is her willingness to be like, no, I'm not just going to see things your way. She's she, yeah. she doesn't just fall into line. Yeah, but right. That brings us to her going to see Will, which we meet Farley. Yes, Dad's favorite character. And, and talk mine. about stubborn. Oh God! Farley. If there was going to be anybody that's going to be more stubborn in this book than Mare, it's Farley. It's Farley, and we get to see a lot more of her in the second, in the next books, which is so fantastic. Because you see, yeah. 
what she's made of. And multiple different sides of her personality. Correct. We yeah. don't know it at this point in the book, but Farley's going to have a much softer yes. side that we're going to see later book on. Two. So Farley does become a more complex character versus now where she's just when we a get- bad A and, right. you know, yeah. doesn't take any crap from anybody, period. When we get into Glass Sword, we are going to learn a lot more about Farley. That's, I think, the big book for her backstory and her growth and development. So, let's do, what do we know about Farley's appearance? Not a ton, really. Not a ton. She does does describe her as being quite pretty. Pretty. Yes. Nice smile when she does actually smile. (laughs) Very tall. Very tall. 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 Uh Uh-huh. Blonde hair. Yeah, again, kind of sinewy. We're not going to meet a lot of probably overweight people. Right. Not Except red. for maybe I I figure I can see maybe yeah, some silver. Like Sam right. Lord Samos is probably I, like, I see him being large. Yeah. Laraelan, I know they do they Bellicose Laraelan, they do mm-hmm. say right. something about him having a large belly. But, yeah. but your reds? No. Red. Not reds. No. They're not they're gonna all gonna be, be skinny eating that kind of stuff. You know Joe Rogan talks about the poor people being fat in right. America. But that doesn't happen in other no, places, you know, and especially not in this situation where they're, they're really, you're not going to be on government right. subsidies. Yeah, they're you like are impoverished. Reds to, are yeah. really forced, enforced, impoverished. They're, yeah, they're, yeah. I mean, if all they're going to eat is food they can farm and fish, and mostly, then that's and whatever's left over shaped, the silvers don't take. Right, right. They're going to be shaped more like people that live on coasts and uh, have that kind of diet. You know what I mean? If, right. if you don't have a protein-rich diet, nobody's right. going to be real big right. and bulky. Yeah. We we don't see it when she first meets Farley because it's not there. But the right. next time she meets Farley, there's a giant scar. Yeah. That runs from like the corner of her mm-hmm. mouth all the way down, all the way the down her, her neck face, and, like, into, her, into shirt. her shirt. And that's mm-hmm. that's the, the I don't know where she, it came from. She, it's never explained. And that's the nope. part. No, and that's the part where Mayor points it out. It wasn't there at first. It was right. somewhat fresh. And she says, even with the scar, she's still, she's still quite quite pretty quite pretty. right so and i think that's not something that you see in the stilts so right. much is because they're just all beat down right. all the time right. versus farley who we find out at the by the end of this book so it's not a spoiler there is an underground society that she lives oh, yes. in right so she probably has a more balanced diet she probably has access to you know, right. getting a wash or a bath yeah. more often because they're living this life that at the beginning of the book we don't know anything about. Right. But I'm guessing that there's not a whole lot of hot water left at the Barrow House after <laughs> all those people are done taking showers, taking showers yeah. and right. stuff. So the the hygiene there would not be as much as what I imagine Farley probably gets when she goes to these right. more established red encampments. So I I need to say something about. When you talked about the stilts, like how District 12 was supposed to be in the Hunger Games. And then exactly. the movies happened and they were all well fed for some reason. Attractive right. people. Yeah. <laughs> but they do make statements in the Hunger Games how people in District 12 have more of like an olive complexion. Right. They have darker hair because mm-hmm. they're in coal mines all the time. They're mm-hmm. not outside in the sun versus what we would see in the stilts where they're more outside in the sun. So they're not as dirty right. 
and gross looking as far as being covered in coal dust and working in a mine all day. But they're going to be more like outside farmers, what you see in that type of skin situation. Skin is going to be sun-dried. Yeah, sun-dried. Yeah, like pictures of people that you would see more of like in the Dust Bowl area or the people that had to do the farming, you know, that kind of stuff where that was more... Um, I don't I, like a pioneer day, but not that yeah. type of dress, obviously. Right. Right. But yes. you didn't see a lot of fat people on Little House on the Prairie, either, right. you know what no. I mean? Because they just don't eat like that. They don't eat right. processed food. They don't eat right. things that make them have fat on their body. So Farley is going to be somebody who's going to be tall, but also lanky too. Right? She's not going to be tall and, you know quote-unquote big boned or whatever because it's just not going to happen there well and she's also when we don't really know yet but she's also kind of been a fighter her whole life right yeah so she's she's gonna be strong right she's gonna be she knows how to handle herself in a fight she knows how to handle a gun well Uh they've explained that already yeah no fear around that kind of stuff Mm -mm. and we find out when we meet her father in the next book you know, how she probably is more comfortable with that type of stuff. Correct. Like, I don't want to give any of that away. Right. We'll get into it. She literally she never doesn't have a weapon on her. Yeah. Ever. She's been around battle. You know, she's seen some stuff. So she's not going to flinch easily. We see that in the book. And then my flinch counts. She's. But. I was expl- talking to Mia before. We've talked about this a couple of times. I think Farley may be, of all the characters we've met, the most brave, have the most true courage. Farley's the Gryffindor. The most true courage of any character in this in these books because she doesn't flinch. When she's confronted with these silvers, when she's confronted with Mare's ability, she doesn't flinch. When she's confronted right. with all these other things, she she stands up. She doesn't fall back in, in fear. She stands right up. When she's being tortured, even though you can tell she's in right. pain, she's she still headbutts Cal, headbutts in, the Cal in the face. She's <laughs> yeah. just all guts. She right. spits on Ptolemus. Right. She does not care. (laughs) She's not going to hold back her feelings at all. She's another very loyal person. If she trusts you, she's very loyal, but she's hard to gain her trust. Exactly. So she's... she's, Standoffish. Yes. She's very slow to trust people. No nonsense. Yes. She's a good leader. Not super approachable. No. However, however, if you do... Kind of a gruff exterior. Right. If you do get her trust, she will be very loyal. Right. Definitely. So. Strong-willed. I think that's a good. Yes. Yeah. Very strong-willed. Determined. Yeah. That's the way we used to describe my yeah. grandpa. Not stubborn. Determined. She's not going to let anything stand in her way. Right. She's wh- going to find a way to get done what she needs to get done. And Farley, because you, you see her little pieces in this book. Her casting is so important. I'm going to get into the casting just a little <laughs> yes. bit. We do the casting. I think it's so important to get right, as are some of these other characters, because in the following books, she plays such a massive yes. part in a lot right. of ways. And like you said, you haven't Beth, even finished the series right. yet. Right. And like like you said, Beth, there's you, we learn so much more about another side of her later on. So when we're doing the casting, it can't just be a picture of someone that you think looks like would be cool in the part. We want to make sure we're casting people who can pull off all aspects of what we're going to see in these characters. Right. We'll get into that next week. Right. So she meets Farley here. Then that's when she, the whole thing with Giza's hand happens after that because she's trying to get money. Right. 
She's all, Mare's all bummed, so she does what she always does. She runs. Mm -hmm. Then she bumps into somebody. We don't know when she first meets him, but we find out later. She bumps into Tiberius Calor VII. Yes. Better known as Cal. Yes. Or Swole Cal. Swole Cal, yeah. So pretty much the first thing that we get about Cal right off the bat is his beefiness. Yes. Tall and swole. It cannot be understated. (laughs) She mentioned so many times how muscular and hulking he is. <laughs> uh, just insert any word for it's muscular here. Yeah. He's got a lot of gains, whatever you want to say. He's, we prefer I mean, swole. He's definitely he's built for war. more yes. well-fed. Yeah, he's built, Obviously. He is, he's built to be a soldier. Yeah, he's been fighting for a long time. He's been training for a long time. His... Body and physical appearance is going to be very important to him because what else does he have to do all day? He doesn't have to work. He doesn't have to do any of that but, kind of crap. But I don't think it's so. A, I'm sure he probably like works out all the time. And but I don't is think it's from training. A, I don't think it's from a vain aspect. Is like, look at me, how hot I am. Right. It's because his body to him is a weapon too. Right. Right. And that's what he's going to be trained for. Right. That's his whole purpose. Yes. We see him get to tell everybody he's going to be the youngest general in Norda history, and that's what he's been working to his whole life. So, muscular, ready to fight, agile, strong, all that kind of stuff is going to be super important to him. Handsome and swole. Right. Handsome yes. and swole. He does have somewhat pale Charming. skin. Somewhat pale skin, it does yeah. say. Silver-like pale skin. Yeah. Uh, easy to talk to. Much more so than a lot of the other silvers that we see. Right. He's more cordial, which we find out that he got that side from the Jaco side. From his mother. Yeah. Yes. We see we see Julian being a more approachable character yes. later on in the book. People loved Corianne. She was the people's queen or whatever. Yeah. They loved her so much. So that side of it is going to come from the Jaco side. Mm-hmm. But in complete opposite to Mare, <laughs> even more so than Giza, responsibility is yes. all Cal has. Yes. Right, which I think is His duty and his responsibility to his father mm-hmm. and his crown. I That's what he's been raised having drilled in his head his whole life. And I think this is another part when we're talking about when we go into the casting, which we'll get to, <laughs> is why Cal, casting Cal as someone who's not just hunky looking, but can pull off some deep... Yes. Acting a lot of times without actually saying words. Yes. Because you have to be able to see so much on There's his a lot face. of complexity because Cal is really a very independent, his personality, he's very independent kind yes. of person. But he knows, like you said, Beth, he also understands the immense responsibility with being the future king. He wants yeah. to do all these things that he so wants to do because he's so independent, but he can't and right. he has to sacrifice that. Because he knows he needs to be king. Right. We see a big part of that when he wants to take his shadow legion. He wants to take that shadow legion yeah. but then daddy into the won't war and end the war. But then the whole assassinations happen and his daddy won't let him kill people. Kill people. So he knows he's been trained to fight, but not to where it's a wonder whether or not he's going to come home. Yes. Like a red when they're conscripted. Which he doesn't like. He's going to be the one right. that's going to be standing back, giving right. the orders and sending the he, waves over. Right. He wants to be the one down there fighting yeah. and ending the war, even if it means his death, but he knows he can't, he can't. because he's the future king. Right. They're, they're, they're not going to let him. So he has this interesting, and, uh, complex I, di- dichotomy between right. what he really wants, but what he, like you said, he's so responsible, he understands. 
what he has to do. And yeah. I think that's one thing that almost gives a little bit of, like, credence to Maven's feelings of being left out, because Cal is the heir, mm-hmm. but if something did happen to Cal, Maven could still take the throne. It's yeah. not like there's not another heir there, but it's just because... And Right, and even Cal has said multiple times, Maven's better right. at the the whole being king thing and talking to the politicking politicking yeah. who's better at that than maven Cal is. It, i think is much more so good agreeable at with people yeah he's better at so diplomacy good. because but we're gonna find out find out why, why. He's, right. he's exactly. really good at l- yeah. saying what needs to be said and making you think one yeah. thing but he Cal doesn't mean just, so much of it Cal's, yeah Cal's Cal is too used to people respecting him just because of his status. Right. right. Maven doesn't have quite that high of status, so he's had to battle for a little bit right. more of what he's gotten versus Cal. I, I think of Cal very much like Prince William. You know, like, watched from the time he was born. You know, William's mom was also, like, the people's queen. Everybody loved Diana. She was one of the biggest people in the world. So then when Prince William was born, everybody just watched him his whole life. Yeah. He knows he's going to be king, but he's there's things, adve- more adventurous things he's wanted to do with his life, but he can't. Right. Because somebody's always watching him and telling him how to behave. You know what I mean? Yeah. Both of them have had to be doing these galas and balls and all this kind of stuff ever since they were little they can't step out of line because somebody's always watching yeah whereas mare is used to nobody ever watching her and being completely ignored so cal has grown up in the spotlight and everything he does is for appearances right silvers do most of what they do for appearances anyway but cal has really had to walk the straight and narrow and he hates it yeah, he hates it absolutely. so much. Maven is, I mean, he I wants want motorcycles, he wants fast, we, we he wants have, adventure. We find out that Maven is so good at it because he is so good at showing what he wants you to see right. and keeping what he doesn't want you to see behind closed doors. Yeah, he's been able to slip right. through the cracks much more than Cal has. And bringing up Maven, because we, we, so, we're going to... And again, with the book smart, Cal's not overly book smart. But when it comes to strategy, he's very smart. He's much oh, yes. smarter for that. Yeah, and Cal I can't do math. That's the stuff. Can't do math. But that's the stuff that he's been interested. He's probably been reading those types of war books and stuff since he was a little kid. Versus something that's more. I would imagine Maven reads more like imaginative fiction kind of stuff because that's where his mind goes. Right. And Cal's mind is much more literal. Right. Uh, what I, we will get to Maven. Right. But one of the things also bring up Maven. It's one of the the few things that really he and Maven have in common is they both have black hair. And I always forget that when I read the books. Because I always know that Maven has black hair. But for some reason, I always think Cal has like brown hair until I read the book. Oh, it's black. Oh, it's right. He has black hair. Right. And and bronze eyes. And bronze Bronze eyes. eyes And very big. Yes. And swole. Did we mention swole? Did we mention swole? We can't underestimate the swole. (laughs) Have we driven that all the way into the ground yet? He's a burner. That's his ability as a mm-hmm. silver. We need to bring that up. He controls fire. He can't create fire, but he can control fire. Right. Um, so maybe not like thick, bushy eyebrows, no facial <laughs> hair. Right. We, we talked about <laughs> nothing that you're right. gonna. His hair's pretty close cut. Yeah, close cut hair. We, so we're not gonna have to worry right. about all of that kind of stuff. We talked about him being a great training suit, great fighter, great soldier, greatest strategy. But he's also a great pilot. 
We find that out mm-hmm. later. He's anything that has to do really with war and, and fighting, fear and danger. He wants to live he's on the edge. So good, right? At it. He's also versus Maven, who wants to stay protected. Right. We also kind of see this with the cycle that he built, the motorcycle. Yep. He's good with he mechanically. Mechanic. He's yeah. yes, which comes from his mom. Yeah. So definitely more of like a work with your hands versus yes. Uh, you know, the standing back and, and planning part You can of it. see parts of, obviously, of his mom, Corianne, that there are some there, but you can see some, and I think a lot of this, some of this stuff comes from his father, mm-hmm. and I, you can get a vibe of the king, which we will get into later a little bit, that he isn't as into the political stuff like Cal. Right. He's, he is more, I want to lead the people and lead them out and, you know, this take is command, what this is do. what we have to do, yep. not politicking that's not who the king is either mm-hmm. so now we get to maven yay everyone's favorite character okay he was your favorite for a while when you were reading book one so let's you can't say that let's what does maven look like what do we get from his because we get almost more i think physical descriptions of maven than we do a lot of characters mm-hmm. yeah he's shorter a, not as yes beefy thinner than Cal. Black hair, blue eyes. Yes, he's very more pale than Cal. He's very pale, pale for Silvers. Very yeah. pale and thin. Like, Silvers remark how pale he is. Yes. That's a problem. And I think that we're going to see when we get into Alara yes, as well. that does come that from Alara. Alara, I imagine, almost looking like ethereal. Yeah. Like, I, she almost in fact, sparkles. I have a great casting idea for Alara that I haven't told you about that I think would be so good. You just have to, all you have to do is something with her hair. We'll get there. In yeah. fact... Like, there's even a description of her that Mare gives. Like, her skin is so pale and she has, like, darkened lips. Mm-hmm. And she looks like like a ghost. Mm-hmm. Like, it's freaky how she looks because of how pale her skin yeah. is. So a lot of that's going to bleed into Maven. 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 Yeah. Right. He's going to be very pale, almost translucent. <laughs> he's He's got... Such a complex personality, too, oh, as we find out. Oh, yeah. Because he's very malicious, treacherous, devious. Mm-hmm. Yes. But you see you see all the things that he does with Mare and the way he talks to Mare and the way early on he sucks her in. There's some treachery there and some lying, but mm-hmm. I, I think there were some parts of that that were real to him. But because of how his mind has been so jacked up by his mom being in it for so long. Right. He doesn't know where he is or who he is mm-hmm. right. all the time. But there are parts where I think he lets his guard down I think with there are too. a little bit more. Unintentionally. Yeah. He's probably thinking, I have to do some of this to keep her interested. But he does go the extra mile from time to time. Right. You know, the, 100%. like when they're doing the welcome line before the sun shooting when the people are going down through the receiving line mm-hmm. or whatever. He didn't have to grab her hand every time. Right. He didn't have to take her out on the balcony and, you know, try right. to calm her down and get her he back in line. He was working some hard overtime. Yeah. And I think that was him, you know, having a little bit of compassion agree. for her. And I I almost wonder if going through that and his, you know, his mom's in his mind and he's, He's setting all this up, but I think he really starts to kind of care about Mayor because I think, like you said, there's some moments where you see him slip, and I think he really is caring. Mm-hmm. But then him knowing what's going on with her and Cal, 
was the linchpin. Like if Cal hadn't gone and taught her to dance, and if her and Cal hadn't had those moments together where they kissed and everything, had Maven maybe made a different decision? Would she have been able to maybe unintentionally win him over just because? You do, you know what I'm saying? Possibly. I don't think they would have gotten Cal involved in the plan. If it hadn't been for that part, they would have rested more of the plan just on Mare. Possibly. But I think they but had they to get Cal drug- involved. Because they had to, they had to, to a eliminate, certain point. They have to eliminate Cal as the next king. Yeah. But I think the the fact that they saw that natural chemistry happening between it Cal gave, and Mare gave them a perfect... Gave them, it gave right, them a perfect... Yeah, right. Oh, look, the lovebirds have turned on us. And right. She they could swung use that Cal part of it. To the, yeah, to the Scarlet Guard. The thing with Maven is there's not a... We know. The, the, we all know what Maven did and kind of who he is as a person. But we, we find out so much more in the upcoming books that we haven't even yet about how much Alara was in Maven's head. Yeah. From probably birth. And... You know, she's not in his head at a specific time while he's talking with, while he's off with the Scarlet Guard and Bear. Mm-hmm. She's not actually in his head at the time, but sh- how much of him is he him. and how much of him right. is Alara? Yeah. Because she's going to get back in there eventually. And she's and been in there so much. It's like, you know, there's Stockholm Syndrome when you have people who've been kidnapped and had kidnappers yeah. for like three years and then they form these attachments to kidnappers. She literally has been in his head his whole life. Yeah. Like, it's got to be. Right. And he knows the consequences by now of not doing right. what she says. So exactly. he's pretty much just her puppet. He's a very And he doesn't really have a choice. Right. He's a very tragic, tragic character, right. but he's one, I'm not saying it excuses his behavior. Right. But it, it is very tragic. He's one that I've heard people say, you know, I hope there's like a redemption, like you were talking about, Mia, a redemption for Maven. He can't be redeemed at this point. Even no. at this point, what he's done right now, and we haven't even seen half the stuff he's gonna right. do. Right. What he's done right now, you can't, it may not be, like, if his mom hadn't have been a Lara, and he had, she hadn't been in his head his whole life, he could possibly grow up to be a decent human being. But he is yeah. so messed up now. Right. There's no way you can. Right. You can't untangle that mind. You can't mind. untangle that right. mind. So, this that is will, not a spoiler. Right. I'm glad they never gave him a redemption. Yeah. So, that leads us into Alara, and kind of what she's all about. We do get. Like we mentioned before, we do get more descriptions of Alara. You know, very pale, very ethereal. Ash blonde. Ash blonde. Uh, Blue eyes, yeah. Poised. Yes. You know, always looking put together, never letting your guard down at all. Controlling. Laser focused. Cutting. Intense. Very ambitious. Yes. Super ambitious. You know, she, the front never comes down. If she's hiding any kind of vulnerability or anything like that behind there, we are not seeing it at right. all. And we've talked about her being in Maven's mind. That's She's a whisper. Her ability is mm-hmm. she can get into your head. And I mean, think about what kind of power and uh, attitude and privilege and entitlement that that would give you. Because you can Being control... able to get anybody to do anything right. you want. You can, you can get in mind and see what they've seen or heard so you know... You know exactly what's in their mind, whether they're lying to you, they can't hide secrets from you, but then you can make them do, as we've seen, she made Cal literally cut off his own father's head. Yeah, right. So I think that would give her that psychotic side that we see, like, with Killjoy in Marvel, you know, where he can make anybody do 
whatever he wants. Right. So the the mind is just completely. Well, she's a sociopath. Around, yeah, it's just it's nothing but how am I going to get exactly what I want? Right. There's no negotiating with her. There's no meeting her in the middle. Nope. She is going to get what she wants no matter right. how she has to get it. And there's... Uh, we can't talk about it because it's in the next book. You want to say something, but you don't want to spoil it. Yeah, yeah, what happens exactly. later. Because like one of the, I think what happens in one of the later books might make you think, oh man, that's such a great thing. But I think it's almost the worst thing that could have happened to Maven. But we'll get to that when we get to that book. So, yeah, I mean, Alara and Maven, we're going to have a lot to discuss about them in the upcoming yeah. books, clearly, because they've set themselves up as, I mean, they've taken the, the crown. She, he, They have taken the crown. Maven is going to be the king. Right. And Alara is going to be running things. It doesn't matter who the king is. Yeah. Exactly. running it. And this plan has been in effect for, for a very, very long time. In Alara's head from the day she married, probably before the day before she married that. the king. She's in it for oh, definitely because of what she did to Corianne before before Alara was queen when Corianne was still queen. Yes, as someone who has read Broken Throne, I can attest to the fact that she has definitely been planning this since before she got married to the king. Yeah, yeah. so very patient. Yes, so patient. When it means she's on the right track to getting what she wants. And ruthless, when she'll it, do whatever. Very it ruthless, cutthroat to the yes. max. I mean, all, the very definition of, of cutthroat. Yes. yes. Uncompromising, she will not budge. Mm-mm. You're going to give her what she wants or she's going to make you do it. Right. So, and that's dangerous. That is very yes. dangerous. So the next uh, character I want to get into, we'll get to the king in a minute, but we mm-hmm. got two more before that. I want to get into yeah. Evangeline. Yes. Because um, she does play parts later on in the in the books too, and, and um, it's a character that is betrothed, mm-hmm. obviously at one point to Cal, yeah, and part of a large family, mm-hmm. right? The, the Samos family. I think she's been raised very much like Cal. Yes, she's been raised in the spotlight. She's been raised to know that when she grows up, she's going to have responsibilities. Right. She, she's going to she, have to deal with even her family name right. is. A, Big, big part of yeah. that. Yeah, even at Queen's trial, everybody talked about. They all knew who was right. going to be the queen. They mm-hmm. all knew Evangeline was. She's win. actually talked about how she was raised to marry the crown prince. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was only born like ten months after Cal, so it's like okay, queen actually had a baby. Let's go, let's go. Let's and go. I think right. she she understands that responsibility, but I don't know that just from what even what we see in her in this book. She necessarily loves the idea. Not necessarily doesn't love the idea of the power or being the queen, but not having a choice. Like, I'm going to be raised. Right, yeah. I'm going to have to marry the king. Right. This is what my life is. I don't know that she necessarily loves that either. Yeah, but she's not as angry about it as Cal, and she doesn't, like, rebel. I think she's just like, well, you know, this is it. I'm not super happy about it, but it's what's going to happen. Right. Right. That's the way it's always been, right. so that's the way it's always yeah. going to be. She's more obedient about so, it. So, what do we, appearance-wise, what do we know of what Evangeline looks like? Um, like, black eyes, pretty yeah. much. She's like average height, black yeah. eyes, silver hair. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, can we talk about how black eyes has to be, like, so terrifying? Yeah. Very. Like, if someone's eyes are black. That's going to be freaky. Yeah. Uh-huh. We, just, we just saw the X-Files with the 
alien oil, and Crycheck had those black eyes. Mm-hmm. So there's creepy. not going to be any sparkle to the eyes. Right. Nope. You're not going to get any emotion out of those eyes. Correct. They're going to be like what they describe, like a shark looking like yeah. when it attacks. You know, yeah. very emotionless eyes. <clears throat> she loves the fight. She's yes. she's cruel. She loves the fight. Oh. She's cold hearted. She likes to show off. Cold hearted, except for her family, her brother, whom she's absurdly loyal to. Right. Now, they're not twins, right? No. No. But Told they Mrs. grew Older. up very close. Yeah. She's very proud. She's ruthless, oh, too. Yeah. You get on her bad side. Ooh. Yeah, I'm sure she's used to having people that get on her bad side taken care of. I mean, she grew up with untold amounts of money. Right. right. So she's going to be a spoiled heiress oh, yeah. type. And she's. <laughs> She's another in a long line of stubborn characters. Very stubborn. Yes. Why are um, so many characters in this book so stubborn? So we've got Swolkal, Ptolemus. So that the book can happen. Ptolemus to me is now Brolemus. He's just Evangeline's brother. <laughs> yeah. He's Brolemus. Hey, this is our daughter, Evangeline. This is our other daughter. Or this is our son, Evangeline's, Evangeline's brother. brother. So and she's a magnetron. <laughs> I'm tired. Which, what exactly could the magnetron do? They can control metal. metal. So yeah, she could basically pick up chunks of metal and yeah. fling shards, knives. She Any made metal it. that's around there. And right. they can also, it seems like, make, or melt and meld metal too because right. they make axes, they make swords out of the metal just by manipulating and it in their hands. she can literally change her clothing while she's wearing it because she usually has a lot of metal. Uh, like she's wearing a lot of metal. Right. So she can actually change it. And she's a very fierce fighter. She's yes. Very Oh, yeah. Boy. Except apparently when she realized Mary had her powers, abilities back, in which case <laughs> she, she didn't want yeah. any of that. She yeah. ran so fast. So when faced with adversity, she crumbles pretty quickly right. because she's not used to having to face she's it. She's used to being on top. Yeah. Especially if it's something that is surprising to her. Like, if she was fighting a another silver... And they use their ability, and it was like they kind of started getting the upper hand. She would fight back. Right. But it's the fact that she was so surprised by Mare having her ability. Mm-hmm. But you could tell the way she, that she tra- right, the way she trains and the way she fights. She's a fierce fighter, and she's super good at it. So she's used to being the better fighter. But you notice the way Cal trained. Cal trained against multiple opponents. Mm-hmm. He, right, he and he trained, would lose occasionally. He, he trained all the time to not always be going in knowing he was the dominant right. fighter. That's why you see towards the end when he's fighting, he's like, Mayor, get behind me. And he's trying to fight right. off multiple yeah. people while also trying not to kill Ptolemus because he doesn't want to kill him. <laughs> and Evangeline... That's why Cal was so good. Yeah. Evangeline wants to go into the situations where she's the most powerful. She knows she's on top. But yeah. when mm-hmm. faced with something where it looks like she might fail, she she's going to bolt out of right. that because yeah. she's not used to failing and mm-hmm. that's losing face and there's nothing more important than to her family than right. saving face. Correct. And I think it's one of those things where her family would probably rather she runs than she loses to right. this red girl. Because you do not lose. Right. Right. Correct. You either win or you remove yourself from the situation. Right. Or And then you say you tied. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think it's so much a point where she's used to having daddy bail her out. I right. think it's more just, They've always hey, just... you're on your own, kid. Uh-huh. Yeah. And she's had to forge her own way, and this is how it's worked in the right. past. So the opposite of Maven, where mommy just gets it's, him out of it. Yeah. Everything. It's kind of like the bully. She's kind of like the bully, too, in that she always she's always fighting the person she knows she can beat. Right. That's 
She's going to she pinch the littler the person man. just right. so she can bully somebody and not have to worry about right. them coming back at her. So when right. somebody smaller and seemingly of less stature comes at her, especially with she's gonna something be, she's never seen. Right. Yeah. She's going to think she has the upper hand. And then when she realizes she doesn't, it's going to be like, oh, crap, I've got to get out of this situation because right. I cannot lose. Yep. Yep. Um, so then we go to Julian. What do we know about Julian appearance wise? Because he's kind of it's kind of an interesting yeah feeling I get from Julian. Because when I when I read his the way he talks and the way he acts, I get this like almost older, gray haired, yeah, wise kind of guy. But he's only like yeah. maybe forty. Yeah, forty four. I feel like if you do the math, he lands in the mid forties. Is he is he thin also? Yeah, he's thinner. He's kind of frail. Blue eyes. Yes. Which surprised me. Graying chestnut hair. Yes. Which is such a, it's such a good descriptor. Like that just, I don't know. It is. It's a yeah, very good the scene, descriptor of color. They, they do yeah. kind of mention almost frail. Not like he's super frail, but almost like he's a little, I I get the feeling. He's been through it. Oh yeah. Right. Oh, I get yeah. the feeling that he looks older and you get a vibe of much, much more wiseness and yes. age, almost like I want to say to the extent of Dumbledore who's like 912 years <laughs> right. old or however but he's more if he, you get that more vibe of his appearance and right. the way he is because like you said he's been through so much with his sister mm-hmm. and right. Sarah and he we reads, see him drinking drinking yes. a so lot because of what he's been through a little harder on his body and he's a historian mm-hmm. so he understands history so he knows he's so wise and he sees the patterns and he sees like things he gives that people such don't sage see. advice right he's yeah. like Yoda He's like, he's like well, the Yoda. Yeah, and in in pop culture, when we see people like that that have this kind of wiseness and knowledge, we typically see them more stooped over, hunched yes. over. And I mean, I'm sure he spends a lot of time hunched over books. books. Correct. So he's not a physically imposing right. figure. Right. But I imagine that he has a stare that the eyes are re- either really kind or really drilling holes in you. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. he either has, he can either look at you super kindly, or he's giving you the death stare. But, uh, but yeah. There's I, no in-between I don't feel like it's face. like an evil stare. It's almost like a parent stare. Yes. Like, oh, you're, I love you so much. You've done a great job. Or, or but don't mess with me. Right. You better go clean your room. Right. Yeah. I don't have time for your or like, right now. Or like, you said you did what? <laughs> yeah. And he's a singer. So his you got a what on your mouth test? His his ability is a singer, which is sort of similar to a whisper, but not really. Yes. you can't really read their minds. Do they have to be able to hear you but, and see you? But he can you have to look you. into. Their he eyes. can control somebody, right? But he has to be able to look at their eye, uh, yeah, their eyes and talk to mm-hmm. them, basically. Yeah, which I so think, I think is... that's where the intensity stare is right. going to come from. But in order to use that power, you're going to have to have almost like a little bit of a Venus flytrap mode. Right. Where you're going to have to let your guard down and, and pull these people, people in. in. So right. you're going to have to have that more charming side of you. Right. Which I think is one reason that he doesn't look like a physical threat. Right. Because his ability isn't physical. His ability is drawing people in. And he's so intelligent and so wise and has such a way with words. Oh, yeah. In does. general, without the wisp, without the singing, that is what kind of brings is how he's able to bring people in and kind of let the, get them to let their guard down right well yeah he's studied history i'm sure he's read great speeches of mm-hmm. the past oh, yes. so he knows the things that have happened in the past and knows how to prevent them from happening again 
But he sees but people in, not listening and yeah, making the same mistakes over and the over. The position that he's in, he's like, nope, I've seen all of this in history books before and here's where we're headed. Right. And I can't really do anything about it because the one time Corianne and I right. tried to do the thing where we would take it down from the inside, the people that cheat and scheme are always going to come out on top. Right. So he does have that cheating scheming side, but only because he's had no choice but to have to develop that right he knows the only reason he's still alive is because he's cal's uncle so he walks that line that we've Mm -hmm. talked about you know he walks that pretty closely too because if he steps out of that line there's going to be consequences exactly he knows what they are he saw what happened to sarah he knows that the first thing that alara would do if she caught him disobeying her would be take out his eyes because then he can't read anymore and then he basically is not a threat at all. Right. Exactly. Take away what he loves most. Yeah. So he lives in fear. Right. Which is also going to do some damage to you. Right. And going to change the way that you handle yourself. Which brings us to our last character we'll discuss. And that is the actual king. Mm-hmm. Or as Julian calls him, Tybe. <laughs> yeah. So what do we have any, as far as a... Appearance Sounds description. right. It's less than eight syllables. As far as a priest, as far as an actual uh, physical description of the king, what do we get? Not a lot. Not much. He's got black hair. I feel hair. like this is yes. where Cal gets the swollitude. <laughs> broad shoulders, yeah. broad, broad shoulders, eyes, Cal black hair. Yeah. Exactly. He's a physically imposing figure. He looks like exactly. a king. I yeah. think very regal, I don't straight see posture. I don't see him as like the older king with the watch, with like the graying hair. I see him as no. a very big. Larger than life. Right. Early 40s. He probably yeah. had kids young. You know what I mean? Well, exactly. They weren't super old when Cal he, was born. He was like 20 when his Queen's too, trial right? was Which held or whatever. Or his Queen's trial was going to be held. He never actually had it. Right. He, which, again, I think he was about 20, leads I to think. him being young and impulsive, falling right. in love with somebody and being like, to heck with the Queen's trial. Right. This is the one I want. Right. So we know that he does have that stubborn side too because Exactly and that's kind of where Cal to, gets it. I think. Yeah. He was able to convince whoever was king Probably at the time, his father, that nope, we're not gonna have a Queen's trial. Right. This is the one I want. I mean you can refuse Queen's trial. It's happened before. But he's had to have the gall to do it. Right. You know what I mean? He's had to he's had You have to defy that tradition. Right. So he like has that ability to love, and I think he loves his children very much. I very do too. Much. And I think he gets a lot of even Maven, he loved Maven. Clearly, you could see mm-hmm. at the end before he died. Right. I think that's you could see a lot of him and Cal in the independent, his duty, feeling like he has to fulfill that duty and the responsibility of being oh, yeah. king, even though there are a lot of other things he would like to do and a lot of ways he would like to handle things that he knows he can't yeah. because you can't show weakness as a silver. You right. Can't you have to always display strength as the right. king? He can't let his guard down at all, ever. Right, right. But th- he's been doing that for so long that it's just second nature. Correct, at this point. And he's not used to probably having a lot of people tell him no. Right. I'm sure he surrounds himself with yes men. And I think, more importantly, Alara would make sure that he surrounds himself with yes, yes. men. Because she has to stay under his radar. Right. there's... That's the only person that she really has to worry about staying under their radar because he is the figurehead at this point and she has to look like 
the subservient queen that's going to right. always take a pass to her husband when really right. she's the one in the background pulling all the strings. Right. And I, the people in the palace are afraid of her. They're not afraid of the king. Yes. Right. And so I, I think if he has the option, he's going to be more gentle and compassionate, but he probably doesn't have that option very often. Exactly. Probably, but I, I also think... I. I get the feeling like, you know, well, why didn't Alara just control him all the time and have him do stuff? I, not that I don't, not that I don't think she can try to use her power on him, but I think he would immediately know. Right. And that would be a real problem. I don't think he would tolerate that. I think the the reason she could use Maven so easily is because she's been doing it since he was born. Right. Right. And he, that, and he, he's grown up being who he is, so you don't right. assume anything odd because he's done a really good job of hiding it, too. Yes. Right. He stays a little more back from the shadows and lets Cal take that spotlight mm-hmm. and lets his father take that spotlight. The king is very easy with eyes being on him. Right. That's not something that ever bothers him because people are used to just accepting what he says. Right. He's the king. What he says exactly. goes. Right. And I feel like with Maven, as with a lot of sociopaths that he's definitely a sociopath whether his mom made him one or not i think he's also maven is i don't think you can undersell how intelligent maven is yeah he's incredible he's brilliant i would be willing to say possibly one of the most brilliant people in the book if they did any kind of iq measurements Mm -hmm. especially when you see what he does later on which is so some of the things he does in the later books are so disturbing. You're like, why would anyone do that? But they're but also they're smart. They're incredibly brilliant. If you have no conscience right. and you don't care, if you are a sociopath, right? If ultimately the 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 whole point is to win, regardless of regardless, the cost, what he does, some of the things he does are brilliant. They're yeah. disgusting, but, but they're, they're brilliant. brilliant. But I think that pretty much. Yeah. Good discussion on the characters. I like that. And that gets us all. Although, I do want to say one last thing about, like, one of the reasons, another reason I think Alara couldn't just use the king the same way she used Maven. Right. Uh Is if, because the king is so in the spotlight, because he's, you know, the king, if he started acting different, like, if he started acting a little strange, everyone would be. I I agree. On edge. Like, everyone would notice, even if he started acting a little bit weird. It would throw everything off. But I also think she she could probably get in his mind, maybe, and read what he's thinking without him knowing here and there. But when you've been around someone that long as he has, he would notice if she's trying to manipulate him, and I don't think that would go over well with him at all. I mean, they've been together at least 17 years. Right. So, Probably more like 18, because yeah. I'm sure she was like, let's pop out a baby real quick and pin <laughs> oh, him down. Oh, immediately. Yeah. Which is why I'm thinking she's probably younger. I, my guess would oh, be yeah. she's late 30s. Probably. Because mm-hmm. yeah. she was young when they got together, and they immediately had a baby because she wanted to lock that down. Yeah. So she's probably five or six years younger than the king, right. I would figure. So. Good discussion, though. I, yeah. This, this sets up well for our next episode where we'll do the actual fan casting the casting that one's gonna be fun because now we've got a really good idea of what these characters are and yeah we want to make sure when we do the casting that we don't just pick people that look like them we want to try to get the appearance close we can you can use contacts for eyes because no one has bronze eyes yeah you can can dye people's people's hair use a wig we want to get some appearance but we want also want people who can really fulfill the character right and that's important i think that's the more important side of it right yeah so, any any other uh, any other things you want to discuss before we close this one out? I don't think so. I don't think so. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us this week. 
We don't have fan art this week since we're doing the bonus episodes. Right. We will take a break from fan art for yeah. a little bit and jump back into it when we get back into Glass Sword. Right. And, which I'm really excited next, for as well. Right. And next week we won't have fan art, but we will have, while we're doing the fan casting, I will get some nice Getty images, some images we can use and we can post of everyone we discuss for yeah. the casting episode. So they'll be on our YouTube They'll be on our YouTube. The They'll website. be on our Instagram, and we'll yeah, put them we'll on the probably, website. We'll probably put like a you know compilation of all of them together and put it on Instagram. Yeah. So let me throw out the socials. You guys have heard them before, but we'll give them again. Um, the the one that we really want to encourage everybody to go to is our YouTube page. Make sure you go over and subscribe and hit the little bell so you get the notifications of each time a new video is uploaded. We are toying with uploading our quiz video episode. Uh, We're not super tech savvy. We do all (laughs) this on our own. So we're trying to figure out how to get that for you. Kind of a little game show video. Mm -hmm. So be on the lookout for that. Like I said, you're definitely going to want to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit that notification bell. So you know when a new video gets uploaded. Same thing for our Instagram. Uh, Both of those are just at Reading with the Rockefellers. So if you search Reading with the Rockefellers on YouTube, you'll pull Mm -hmm. up our YouTube page. We're at Reading with the Rockefellers on Instagram. We're pretty active over there. Um, Since we're getting over our illness, the page is getting a little more active. (laughs) Again, I appreciate everybody's patience with us dealing with that. That's why we Um, took a bit of a break a couple weeks. You'll see some content come back up. Uh, we'll be more active over on Instagram. So interact with us over there. Again, it's just at Reading with the Rockefellers. Send us your emails. Um, you're, there's still another week to get in fan casting emails. So send us your recommendations for that. Um, that is Reading with the Rockefellers at gmail.com. And we like fan art submissions there too. Yes. Stories of how the series has changed your life or got you back into reading. Sharing it with your kids, which is how this podcast started, sharing mm-hmm. it with my kid and then her sharing it with her dad. So it's a great series to turn people onto. And then you can say, hey, give Reading with the Rockefellers a listen while you go through and get some more in-depth chapter. So that's our email, readingwiththerockefellers at gmail.com. And then just you can check out our general website, www.readingwiththerockefellers.com. That's where all of our episodes are going to be, our fan art. Our blog, which is not super active, but sometimes we post stuff on there. Uh, We'll try to get the video quiz show episode loaded, all of our smiling faces. And I think that's pretty much it. So thanks for hanging out with us this week, guys. And we will be back next week with our fan casting episode. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.